Welcome to this PJCM podcast where you'll be hearing from Chris McNichol. Chris is the Vice Chair of the UK Physios in Sport. He's at the Sports Institute in Northern Ireland, has tremendous experience including two Commonwealth Games and Olympic Games and very experienced in teaching about taping. So welcome Chris and I'm going to ask you whether a patient who has sprained his or her ankle should wear tape in the first period on return to sport because there are those who argue that the tape just comes loose in 15 minutes. Okay, well, a, a starting point would be just to say that when we talk about taping, in the conventional sense, we're talking about generally zinc oxide techniques and the use of elastic adhesive bandages. But why tape your ankle then if, if you've had a sprain? There's very, very strong evidence in support of the use of ankle taping and bracing in the reduction of risk of recurrence. Lots of studies powered to the order where there's thousands of subjects in those studies confident in saying that you can reduce the risk by you know, up to and over 60%. But what I would say is an important point to remember is that whilst the tape gets significantly um, looser and its ability to restrict range of movement decreases, especially after exercise, that some of that effect is still retained at end range. And it's at end range that injury occurs and that's where the damage happens. So recent evidence has come out over the last number of years in which Studies have looked at the amount of accessory joint motion in the ankle with taping. So two particular studies I'd like to discuss are uh, papers by Hubbard and Cordova, published in 2010, and Miller in 2012. Both those were published in Foot and Ankle International. And what they did was they looked at individuals with chronic ankle instability, and they got those athletes to exercise, and they looked at the amount of limitation and accessory joint movement in the ankle, and they observed a significant reduction in laxity in the ankle in an anterior-posterior direction and also in an inversion-eversion rotation direction. When they compared bracing and ankle taping, ankle taping was superior in its ability to restrict or to reduce the amount of laxity in an inversion-rotation direction. They, they discussed the mechanisms, but there was no clear underlying mechanism at work. If we take a step back and ask the question, why do, why do people with ankle instability or people who sprain their ankle, why are they at increased risk of recurrence? We know that um, those people hold their foot in a more inverted position prior to at and after heel strike when they walk, and they generally hold their foot in a more inverted position through the whole gait cycle. We know they have reduced foot clearance through swing phase, and we know that their perineal activity is reduced in preparation for landing and dynamic tasks. So how does tape affect that? Research over the last number of years that has looked at the effect of taping on ankle kinematics tells us that the foot is held in a more neutral position through the gait cycle when it's taped. And the work of Eamon Delahunt and Megan East, they looked at single leg landings and observed a significant reduction in the amount of plantar flexion in preparation for and at landing. There's some quite old evidence would suggest that there's an increase in perineal activity through terminal swing phase. So if you put those things together, there's an, a change in the anticipatory components of swing phase, such that potentially we're holding the ankle in a more neutral position at heel strike with the perineal switching on, able to control that injury mechanism, if you like. So which of those mechanisms is at work? There's potentially the mechanical or the passive strategies of tape where the, the foot has been held, their ankle is being held in a more neutral position 
or is it that we, through more sensory motor or proprioceptive mechanisms, are affecting muscle activity and, and an active strategy? That last study that I referred to there by Megan East, in which um, she demonstrated a reduction in, in plantar flexion in preparation for landing and at landing, also showed that there was a significant reduction in dorsiflexor activity. And we might make inference from that that it's quite a passive strategy then that we, we, we get the effect from taping. So it's not that we're actively holding the foot in a different position. But in terms of the proprioceptive effects, it's very hard to say, looking at the literature, that you know we see an increase or improvement in kinesthetic awareness. The literature is quite confusing when you read it. But in that wider definition of proprioception, there's been some nice studies that have looked at people with instability and asked the question, can we improve their ability to balance on one foot, you know, dynamic tasks, so we're talking the star excursion balance test, hopping tasks. And it's quite clear from those studies that we, we can't say that we enhance um, performance in those tasks. But ironically, those studies by Sawkins and Delahunt that looked at that, they found that individuals had a much increased perception of stability, confidence and reassurance. And individuals' confidence and perception of, of stability is a critical factor in a successful return to play. So I think that mechanism is, a, is in effect there at the ankle also. There's a perception that you're better off and you do better off, but really we don't understand the true mechanism, or do you think the confidence means that you're integrating the systems better? Well, I, th- I think... It's, it's the effect is multifactorial. If, if I would say, you know, we potentially have, you know, the mechanical effect of holding the ankle in a better position, but we also, I believe, probably have these um, proprioceptive effects, whether that's the pressure of the tape on the skin, the reactionary feedback through perineal activity, but individuals feel more confident, they feel more stable, and as a, as a physio, from my perspective, they're more likely to move with better quality movement, greater degrees of freedom, um, and as such, potentially have more normal movement patterns. Now, how long should people take their ankle after injury? That depends on the sport, depends on the injury, and it depends on the, the athlete. Um, an easy way to answer that would be if I have a 30-year-old athlete who has had numerous ankle sprains, they have an unstable ankle, I'm quite happy to say to that individual, I want you to prophylactically tape. So wear a brace or it's different then if I'm dealing with a potentially an 18 year old who's had their first ankle sprain, significant ankle sprain. I would be encouraging them to tape definitely for two, three, four months after injury. If the rehab works and that individual um, can address their deficits, I'd like to think that we could wean that individual off taping. Now, as I say, it depends on the sport, so there's higher-risk sports than others, so potentially if they were volleyball or netball or basketball or something like that, I maybe would I'd want to extend that period. But what I teach in the course is that I almost teach a continuum of support, so up at the top is the highest level of support is your rigid tapes, basket weave, heel locks, and then I scale that down and we teach a variety of techniques where there's this continuum of support where we change the techniques to get less if you want and the volume of tape is different and actually we may, may change the type of tape so it moves from a rigid tape to a more elastic tape. So there's a process where individuals are weaned off 
that process doesn't just happen, it's not just a passive taping, but it's also hand-in-hand with their, their functional rehab and their prehab. And what are the specific exercises you envisage people do at different stages after injury? Through the subacute phase, so we're talking about in that, I'll call it a grade two ankle sprain. So we've, we've, we've rested them for two, three, four days, and then we want to start and get some load through that ankle so that, you know, optimal loading, to use that term. So we're maybe using um, some taping, actually, in that instance to, to support the ankle and, and ensure they don't um, re-sprain. But we want to start in a fairly stable environment, maybe bilateral exercises to get movement through the lower limbs, basically in terms of good neuromuscular control, stable environment, nice and slow and practical, and then progress that over time to more dynamic situations, unstable surfaces, what I would call proprioceptive exercises, for want of a better way of describing it. And then at the very end, it's got to be really dynamic, really sport-specific. And what I would say is there's a nice example of some of that injury prevention work we do on it's more focused around ACL prevention, but athletes, or you get a, a feel for our philosophy here at the Institute um, if you look at activategaa.co.uk, so it's a, an injury prevention intervention. Chris, many of our listeners are working with teams, and so they're in a position of trying to convince a coach that the whole team might need to be taped or braced, and then there are costs. What's your take on that? If you're in a high-risk sport and you're at a potentially at a competition, I think it would be wise to prophylactically tape. But that's up to the... We've got to take into consideration the performance of the athlete. Um, as you say, the resources. So there's for some individuals, there's, there's a financial cost of doing that. There's a practical component. I know I've been to major games where all the physios had to get up at 6 in the morning to, to ensure that the team was taped to take... To, to train and participate every day. So I think that if I'm dealing with a sport where the risks are much lower of ankle sprain, I'm more inclined to say that we we tape the individuals who have a history. Okay. And when there has been a previous history, the number needed to treat is not high. But specifically about taping or bracing, how do you decide that on the individual basis? If this athlete is working in an environment where potentially they're a professional sports person and they have access to um, a sports medicine team that can apply their ankle taping at every training and every game, then we're quite happy to say, okay, you, you, allow, you allow the medical team to do that. But if that's an individual who's independent or maybe trains alone, as, as a lot of athletes will, I think that we should encourage them to try a brace. If, it, if this is someone we foresee using taping and bracing for a long time, I think they should try a brace and see if they can find one that they find works for them and is comfortable. And if, and if they come back and say, listen, I don't like that, it doesn't work for me, then potentially you're looking at ta- teaching them how to tape themselves. So again, many athletes are able to do that. As we, as we move towards the end of this podcast, can you comment on the saying that if you wear ankle tape, it puts you at more risk of a knee injury? What I would say is, to start with, we would say there's currently no evidence that does link ankle taping to an increased risk of knee injury. There's no hard evidence there that I'm aware of. There have been some studies that have tried to look into this effect. The one that I like the design of was, was uh, Carl Stoffel published an article in Medicine and Science and Sport and Exercise in which they examined the effect of taping in elite Australian rules footballers. And they had them running and they had them doing planting and cutting tests. 
and they were observing their um, the forces through their knee, so the kinetics through their knee, and they they did observe a significant deteriorate or decrease in some of the moments in the knee. So they they definitely felt that the peak varus moments decreased, and there was a significant effect on internal rotation moments. Now they did find that there was a significant trend towards increased peak valgus moments and a peak valgus impulse would increase your risk potentially of ACL injury. However, when we actually look at studies in the States, Timothy McGuinn has published two massive studies in which he, he looked at the effect of ankle bracing on collegiate high school football and high school basketball. And in some of those studies, he's had over, a, you know, in the arms of the study, there's a thousand athletes in each arm of the study for the, the football and there was over 700 in each of the arms of the trial in the collegiate basketball. And he found that there was no significant increase in the, the incidence of acute knee injuries with ankle bracing. So, you know, interestingly, in the basketball trial, they observed five ACL injuries in the brace group, five ACL injuries in the norm. Chris, you've commented that there's a vast difference in the amount of tape that players wear around the knee in two sports, rugby and soccer. Yeah, Karen, I, I find that really interesting, the different cultures that can exist within different sports around taping. So when we look at rugby, obviously, is a, a sport where there's a culture of a lot of heavy elastic type strapping, and as you say, applied to the knee. Whereas you look at a sport like soccer, we, we rarely will see an individual on the park with, with tape on their knee. And you, the obvious difference between the sports is that the rugby is potentially a different movement patterns, a lot more contact, higher forces through the knee potentially. But I would ask the question, you know, why do soccer players never have tape on their knee if, if it is effective? And, uh, you know, I've seen a change in culture there in terms of one of the local sports here in, in, in Northern Ireland is Gaelic football. And, you know, 15 years ago I know that it was acceptable by players and medical teams to apply a heavy elastic adhesive strapping to the knee, whereas now you do not, you tend not to see that. And even though they're quite happy to have their shoulder taped or their ankle. So that says to me that, you know, there's been a cultural shift in the acceptance of that, either by the players, the, the management teams, or the medical teams. Um, and it's you know, I think there's more to it just in terms of the effectiveness of the technique, but also the culture within a sport. Let's move to the shoulder and consider rugby as the sport. Does taping work? Yes, I believe it does. Um, there's, uh, you know, again, as a physio, I, I tend to rarely will I, I just tape in isolation, you know. So in regular practice, whether it be for rotator cuff pathologies, subacromial impingements or instabilities, I'm generally trying to get that individual to hold their their shoulder, their scapula, their trunk in a different position and maybe achieve different movement patterns. So I, I can do that with my hands. I can do it with exercise, potentially. I think tape is just another way that we can achieve that. There is some evidence out there in individuals with some acromial impingement that we can improve their, their pain-free range. One recent study that, that you know your listeners might find really interesting, it's, it's, in, it's being published at the minute in the Journal of... Uh, uh, electromyography and kinesiology. It's a group in London out of Imperial College. Um, Alaya Shaheen has looked at the 3D kinematics, the change in 3D kinematics in uh, individuals with subacromial impingement 
with two different tape techniques. First tape technique is a rigid taping technique that is applied to the, the posterior aspect of the shoulder and down the trunk. And the other is a kinesio taping technique for um, subacromial impingement. And what that group has found is that both techniques are effective in increasing the external rotation of the scapula through sagittal plane flexion. And what was really interesting was that the kinesio taping appeared to be more effective at retracting the scapula at higher ranges of elevation. So I think as a clinician, I'm, I'm, if I was listening to that, I'd be sitting going, okay, we know that we can apply rigid taping, but also that the kinesio taping maybe has an effect there in our ability to improve the movement around the shoulder, especially when I know that at higher ranges of elevation, quite often rigid taping won't allow that. It doesn't tolerate a lot of movement. What about competition? Same principles? No, I would say we're much more likely to tape for competition. Um, so, you know, the, the, the actual techniques, personally, I, I use a lot more elastic adhesive techniques. So that might be look at tape K, it might be dynamic tape, it might be old school elastic adhesive bandages. But we're applying those tape jobs to stabilize shoulders, force close the region, um, prepare athletes for competition. Now, I would appreciate that whilst the forces are higher and that potentially the taping is offering support to that, whatever that injury is, that part of that is also probably psychological on the part of the athlete. I do want to describe one study, though, that I found was, was quite interesting. It was carried out by Jenny McConnell. Um, she looked at uh, taping for the shoulder in a throwing task, and she compared athletes with a history of shoulder problems to healthy overhead athletes. And what we found was that with the application of tape, there was a significant reduction in the range of movement of athletes who had a history. So I think that's, that's significant. I think it tells me that applying tape around the shoulder for some, for, through whatever mechanisms is, is restricting the range a little and maybe getting them to operate in a safer zone. What about injured muscle? Can tape help? I would say that I actually, in terms of someone who has sustained a, uh, an acute muscle injury, I don't plan to use tape right through their whole management you know, if, if things are going well. If, if, if the rehab has been good and we're returning them to play, I don't envisage using tape in, in that whole strategy. There's two situations where I will tape. I suppose the first is if um, you know there's someone has um, pain been generated from a muscle region um, and it appears to be and there's, there's no obvious significant pathology so I'm very fortunate I work with elite athletes so that quite often we can get MRI um, I work with a physician who can very quickly do uh, look, look under ultrasound so if I, if I have an athlete who has muscle pain and there's no obvious damage what I can do is use taping techniques potentially to, to offload that sensitized tissue whether it be muscle or fascia um, and I can for want of a better term stress shield that region um, to see if we can get a return to function the other situation is then an athlete who has had a muscle injury and they're returning to play and, and we know they're not 100% fit. Sometimes the, the athlete knows the risks of this breaking down are very high and is prepared to take those risks. We will apply a, a, a strapping there to try and get that athlete through competition. So that might be a very large elastic type of, of bandage in which we're, we're wrapping the whole myofascial unit. We're trying to get force closure there and support the whole muscle tendon unit. Um, the elastic strips 
I, I describe this in my courses as that we're applying a proprioceptive break. So if we think about, you know, typical examples of where I've used this in the past are athletes potentially who've had a hamstring hamstring tear and they're maybe grade two hamstring tear and they're maybe three, four weeks um, and they're returning to play. We don't expect them to be able to make it through. We apply this large taping. They probably shorten their stride a little. We find that, you know, that might alter the activity in their Golgi tendon muscle spindles and, and their whole activation strategy. But more times than not, quite often we see that player make it through that event. Another example might be that we have an athlete who's, you know, recovering from a calf strain. And, you know, I can think of examples that even in the Olympics, a male gymnast who had a calf strain needed to do a floor routine. And by applying a large elastic bandage to support that whole muscle unit, taping the muscle in a shortened position, that he was able to get through that event and performed well. Thanks, Chris. And what about if people want to follow up and attend one of your courses? Well, I teach the athletic taping courses for the ACPSEM. So if they go onto their website there, you'll see their courses are sponsored by BSN and Patterson Medical. So we're very fortunate. We have great products to be able to use on that, those courses. Um, you'll also be able to catch up with me and the other tutors of ACPSEM at our, our conference this year in October. We have the Adolescent Athlete. Um, that should be should be really good. Indeed. We'll close that one there and let you get a cup of tea, Chris, before we do the next chat on K-taping. Physios in the UK, if you're not already a member of UK Physios in Sport, join this tremendous organisation which will give you tremendous value, which includes 25% off the annual meeting, 50% off other educational events, full access to three journals and a voice on these, as well as being an advocate for your profession, all for just £55. So it really pays to be a part of ACPSEM, UK Physios in Sport. Thanks for listening to this BJSM podcast and I look for Chris on the follow-up podcast about K-Taping. Thanks for listening.